Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to Lines of by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe and with me again is Nate. How's it going, Nate? It's going very well. We're on a video chat for this call and I'm backlit and kind of glowing in this bizarre haze on my camera <laughs> because my camera isn't used to the sun being out in Britain and I'm sitting near a window. So that perhaps gives you some indication of like it's just an uncommonly nice day. Uh, it's been insanely windy, though, and apparently the whole polar vortex bomb cyclone thing that has been freezing the hell out of America is going to head right for us oh, through God. the jet stream. Uh, so we're like fully breaking records on the amount of uh, wind power on the grid right now, but it's probably going to get back to like insanely cold by British standards soon. So, But we were hilariously, as, 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 as stupid as this country is, there were... Times of day when we were like ninety percent renewable energy because of all the wind and then imports of nuclear power and nuclear power from the British grid. Uh, if you count nuclear power as green energy, which I know our Discord does, but some people don't. Yeah, like hearing. Um, so stupid. The, the, but the funny thing is, is we call it the British paradox. When the wind is blowing that strongly to generate that much green energy with all of our wind turbines, it's also sucking all of the heat out of our non-insulated homes, and thus. <laughs> creating a vicious cycle of us burning more fossil fuels with our gas heaters. So um, you can't, you just, you simply can't win with Britain, but uh, yeah, I'm good. I, I, I like that. I have recorded so many things. Like we just recorded when I was in the UK and then Tom and I have a series coming out where I had yet to go to the UK and now I'm recording again and I'm back in Armenia and I really want people to like attempt to piece together the timeline of, of like my travel. Like, when the fuck did he record these things? It's all over the place. It's like, where in the world is Joe recording at this moment? Yeah. And where in the world is Joseph Kasabian? Sounds like a game <laughs> you absolutely would have played, but it would have been banned in Turkey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's confiscated upon arrival in Baku. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, I, they simply they they don't want they don't want to see an Armenian thriving. Got to got to keep the king down. Uh, I just got back to Armenia yesterday after what has to be one of uh, well, not I have to caveat that not the worst series of air travel I've ever had because I had some hellish like charter planes and I was in the army, but like the worst travel uh, experience that I've had uh, since I've been a civilian. Because I flew out of Gatwick in the UK, which everybody in the UK told me, like you, another uh, couple friends of mine, like, oh, your, your plane's going to be delayed. Like, they're, they're all just delayed. This is flying out of the UK. And correct, my plane was delayed by two hours. Weirdly enough, my friend flying out of the UK and also coming to Armenia out of a different airport also had his flight delayed. Uh, then I got to Milan and I had to run like a, a record 40 time getting through the Milan airport. Pretty sure I took a couple people out along the way. Oh, like it's a, and it's whiz air. So it's at the, like the furthest uh, away part of the airport. Cause it's sure. a budget airline. You could go to like gate B 90 or whatever. 
uh, only to find. They call him the Malpensa Armenian. He just stalks the corridors <laughs> of the terminal in Milan, knocking fucking Italians over, breaking their fragile little bird bones. I went through them faster than the World Cup hopes. <laughs> and uh, I only to get to the gate and find out that plane was also delayed. Uh, so I s- did this like dead sprint, sweating my fucking ass off for no reason. Got that was delayed like another hour and a half. Got to Moldova. Uh, where my plane was also delayed. And I did see a guy attempt to fight the cops and I don't speak Russian or Moldovan. The only thing that I, I could understand from the limited amount of Russian that I know is he just kept calling the cops fucking bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard a lot of suka, billet, chui, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and it, it, like he, I actually have a picture of it, but like the, he gets, t- he gets picked, he's like a little guy. He gets picked up on both arms and he is like, taken down some unlit corridor and you hear his curses at the cops getting further and further away until they go quiet. And then I got on my flight to Armenia, which is somehow the best flight. Um, despite it being like fly one, which is not a great airline. Uh, and upon arrival, so Armenians have this thing where as soon as the plane hits the ground, like the second a wheel touches the ground, they will stand up and start getting their suitcases out. Of like <laughs> the plane is still shaking and shit, and they will attempt they'll, they'll uh, start getting their suitcases out, and like the flight attendants have to yell at them, and normally they'll sit back down, but this time a guy just kept and like he pulled he pulled his suitcase off and was just standing in the middle of the aisle and got kept getting yelled at, kept getting yelled at, kept getting yelled at, and then we pull up and uh, cops come on board, which is interesting because it's the first time I've ever seen Armenian cops work. Um, and they like took him away and I did not see him when I went through customs, <laughs> but now- that's, that's wild, man. I mean, I, I guess it's one of those things where I thought you were going to say that as soon as it touches ground, they start clapping. Oh, like they also do, do that. Yeah. They, they're, yeah, they're in, the, in the Dominican Republic. They absolutely do that on every flight I've ever been on to the DR. The minute it, even if it was like the softest, gentlest landing, there was no doubt that this was going to happen. The minute it touches back down in the DR, Dominicans start clapping. And I mean, I respect it because I don't clap when I go back to America. I just say, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to go wait two hours for customs like always. Yeah, yeah. I I was telling a friend of mine who was going to the U.S. for the first time. uh, And she's like, "Uh, does customs take a long time? I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, you mean because like I'm a foreigner? I'm like, no, That's <laughs> just, always, too. just always. Uh, but, you know, I've been back uh, in Armenia for one whole day now. And uh, I saw the sun for the first time because when I was in the UK, it was just gray the whole time. Uh, sure <laughs> is. You, you came to the UK at the absolute grimmest time of year, to be honest with you. Like January is grim, but it's not that bad because the days are starting to get longer. So by the time that you get past the holidays, you're already either right on the cusp or past the point where the sun is setting after four o'clock, which still sounds awful, but like it sets before four o'clock for most of December. So yeah, yeah. you know, like remember this when we talk about medieval anything, that if it has anything to do with the English or people from the British Isles, like they had permanent seasonal affective disorder because like this is just abnormal. This is just inhuman. Like in the same way that you can look at the Nordic countries and like those people are not normal. They may have insulated homes unlike the British and a social safety net unlike the British. <laughs> and But they, they got that way through like you know, weird Lutheran crusades and plagues and famines and stuff like that. And then just uh, uh, the decision that they'd rather, you know, cut their losses, minimize their losses rather than have it be this feast and famine shit. Whereas Britain was just like, no, we love famine. We love being sad. We hate having our houses be warm. Don't like it. There's the door. Yeah. And you have experienced this in person, uh, but also digging through history, you can only imagine how much less moderated it must have been. 
Yeah. Uh, and in the Nordic countries, everybody's just too shy to look at you directly in the face. And in the UK, they'll just try to steal your cell phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Joe, Joe, Joe and I have both been victims of attempted muggings and they didn't, the, the muggers were not successful. But that's a thing in the UK that I've heard about for years. Like It's not uncommon. It wasn't unknown before. But as we go through this like incredible cost of living crisis and you know like people really can't afford to even keep their their the heat on in their homes. Also Joe, you may not know this but in the UK, uh if you're deemed to not have good enough credit, they put a pay as you go meter for your utilities and you have to go down to the corner shop and like refill it on a USB stick to then keep your heat running. What like, you the have to pay fuck? And uh, they'll absolutely cut it. Like it won't cut off completely, but it'll cut to like a very, very low, like minimum. Keep it, keep it above freezing temperature. Um, or at least I think it may actually cut off entirely. I don't know because I've never had one. But um, they used to be coin operated. You used to have to put put in the coins in your own fucking thing. Now you have to go down and you pay like a two percent surcharge. So it, on top of getting fully ripped off by utility companies because the government refuses to intervene in the you know the 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 the, the commodities markets in any way. Uh, yeah, you, you actually have to pay a surcharge for being poor on your coin-operated electric and gas meter. That's fucking I, I, I 100% insane. I 100% am not making this up. And sometimes when I tell people this, like in conjunction with other stories about what is normal in Britain, people sometimes look at me and just kind of they're like, this is, you're fucking with me, right? Like, this is an elaborate con. Like, you've just been making this up. This is like you doing a bit. And I'm like, no, that's Britain. <laughs> um, speaking of an elaborate con, I have no good segue here. No, uh, that was a good one. Let's see what happens with this. Um, so once upon a time, I think we've we've all probably made this joke, especially being soldiers, that war would be a whole lot better if everybody in charge just met up in the middle, specifically the officers, sorry, Nate, and just shot one another and don't don't like involve me in this bullshit, right? Fair. Like, let's just all meet in a predetermined place, uh, like 10 on 10, like you're playing pickup basketball and just figure it out. Like, kind of like how... They, you know, you hear mythological stories of like champions and stuff like meeting outside the walls and and f- deciding entire wars. Yeah, well, feats of masculine strength, picking up huge rocks and throwing them, <laughs> ripping out trees from their roots, things yeah. of that nature. Yeah, uh, like I-, I like this idea of uh, predetermined mortal combat uh, rather than war uh, for for it to be determined. But that actually happened once, um, kind of. Um, it didn't determine the war uh but it was mostly out of boredom uh <laughs> where 60 men 30 aside were chosen uh at, to they included referees uh to line up in a field and kill the living shit of each other in order to settle the war of breton succession uh now this was didn't this didn't settle anything uh but and it ended up being absorbed by the larger Hundred Years War at one point, but it is very funny, and that's why we're talking about the Combat of the Thirty uh, today. Even though it should be the Combat of the Sixty, but what it's called the Combat of the Thirty, I don't know. Uh, maybe they couldn't count their their eyes were riddled with lice or something. Yeah, I mean, weather sucks in Brittany. I actually lived in Brittany when I was in high school. I did a, pro- a study program there, so weather really sucks there. Uh, I always wondered. It didn't clock until very recently, which is embarrassing. That the word for Britain, for the United, well, not the United Kingdom, but Great Britain in a uh, in the French language, is just Big Brittany. And then it all made sense that like that part of France, in terms of weather at least, is just Little Britain. Uh. Awful, windy, cold. Everywhere in France could be sunny. Brest, that whole area of the the Breton Peninsula, will just be fucking rain, wind, worse than Seattle. They're contractually so, obligated to keep the weather in line. 
Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so so you were saying is this was a, a war? I would say two things. Number one, a war to settle who gets to rule Little Britain, rainy, cold peninsula in France. Yes. Uh, where they speak a Celtic language. And uh, point number two, the Hundred Years' War was like the high point of knights just doing shit because they were bored. Yeah, hundred like, percent. It was so great. much detail in there about that. Yes. It, it's it's incredible how a whole bunch. Of, I mean, it, it's somehow dumber, and there's a lot of. I'll say there's a couple theories as to why this happened because historians, especially people who focus on uh, medieval knights stuff, really don't want to just boil down to like, well, maybe they were bored, but we'll get to that. Um, I mean, I read Barbara Tuckman's A Distant Mirror, which not like an academic history, and I'm sure there's lots of like academic historians can poke holes in the problems with oh, it. Oh, sure. But like one thing I'll say is following the life and times of Engeron de Cousy is that... Uh, there were a lot of sort of campaigns that just was like, eh, bored. My men are bored. I need to keep them busy. We got to do some shit. Let's invade Switzerland. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Uh, in that time, Switzerland wasn't in, wasn't independent. It was um, it was ruled by the Habsburgs, I believe. But like that kind of a thing. Just like the, there's been a lull in the campaigning, and uh, as such, like we got to do something because the only way I feed feed and pay my men is spoils and booty. So it's like, all right. Just go fucking soldiers spoil some shit. Soldiers do love being paid in booty. They do indeed. <laughs> yeah. I said that and I was like, he's gonna jump on that. He's gonna he he would not resist that. That was layup. a layup. That was a layup. Exactly. Exactly. It was an assist, actually, I would say. <laughs> now, in order to tell the story of what became known as the combat of the thirty, we have to jump back to the thirteen hundreds when men were men, warriors were warriors, and they're all dead by the age of thirty five and fuck their cousins. Uh, very true the uh actually cousins might be spotting them a little bit too much uh but whatever the war of breton succession was based on exactly what you think the duchy of Brittany was a fee for the kingdom of france at the time and the dukes of breton were very interwoven into a mess that made up british nobility who were in turn sometimes also married into various lines that made up french nobility and they're also all married into each other's families hence why they all looked like freaks um as always Inbred people beefing over turf is a common through line in, on our show. Um, have you ever seen the Breton flag? I don't think I have. I have to so look. If you look it up, the, Bre- the Breton flag kind of looks like like a early version of the American flag in some ways. Huh. Uh, that is really the, weird. But here's the thing that's really interesting about it. So you know you have the stripes, you have all the stuff, the the black and white stripes. So it looks like the subdued flag. That I'm pretty sure that flag predates. Uh, no, it does. It actually doesn't predate American the American flag. It's it's from the 20th century. But that symbol on the top left, believe it or not, is very very old. And basically, what it comes from is uh, this legend that some famous person in Breton history uh, saw an ermine that refused to cross like a muddy pond because it wouldn't despoil itself and get its fur all fucked up. So they put like their like white cloth coat down so the ermine could cross and it left its little fucking rat claw tracks all over it and that's what those represent wait hold up what the fuck is an ermine it's like a mink oh weird so it's like, like uh, one of those it's a like a french it's like a ferret european <laughs> weasel yeah some kind of weasel family greater red wall creatures taxonomy yeah something <laughs> like that yeah, they got a lot of weasels and ground creatures in europe that we don't have in america that you have to learn about like uh, stoats, for example, basically big ferrets that love just murdering rabbits that are like four times their size. <laughs> rabbits' only defense against them is just to scream and hope a bigger predator comes <laughs> and, and kicks their ass. Like, I'm dead serious. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and imagine everybody involved in this is now various different degrees of ferret. 
it's a Redwall. It's a Redwall story. Yeah. This is such a Redwall story. This, this is Redwall now. Um, the ruler of the duchy was John the Third, sometimes known as John the Good. Something I have to say at minimum is arguable. Uh, <laughs> say not nominative determinism here, but probably a little bit exaggerated. Yeah. For instance, John was married several times, and each wife has died early. Uh, I'm not accusing him of anything because it's the 1300s and people just drop dead from, I don't know, like dropsy. <laughs> yeah. They got ghosts in the blood and they die. I was going to say, yeah, the, the scratch, the itch, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. They have a terminal case of, uh, throat itis and their, their, their back is blown out. Felled by the cough. <laughs> we don't know anything more about it. The great bleeding. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm like, I'm, it, 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 he maybe he murdered them. I don't know. Uh, not a single time did he manage to have a child, but for a guy who was forcefully married at the age of 11 to a fucking five year old girl, he probably wasn't going to have very normal relationships with anybody throughout his entire life, and he probably wasn't much of a good person. Um, and uh, John the Good by our standards, yeah. and our standards alone, John the Good because he doesn't hit me with, uh, with a with, with a with a pipe he uh he only whips me with a rope he's a he's a he's, he's a, a good he's a good duke he's like woke woke 13th century guys <laughs> uses soft fucking torture implements to beat his spouse yeah it's back in my day i murdered my wife when they didn't give me an heir nowadays i just have to keep remarrying it's bullshit oh jesus yeah. goddamn woke moralists <laughs> just just imagining 13 yeah four Middle Ages, like Hundred Years War, Jordan Peterson. No air, like, unbelievable. Can you imagine, like, what kind of weird, like, witchcraft concoctions they would have to do to get him on like a benzo binge in the 13th century? <laughs> That's They'd actually do, how like, benzos were discovered. Was by 1300s <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Peterson. <laughs> I mean, the all meat diet wouldn't necessarily have been as exotic as it is now. Uh, but yeah, like exactly, like the, the the rare niche pharmaceuticals they have to find, like you know, go 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 find people who are dancing around toadstools and figure out if they can give you know give up their secrets. And he would die so fast. He would eat nothing but meat and like immediately get murdered by an internal parasite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, can you even imagine? I understood why the Afghans loved pressure cookers so much. Once I once once I realized, like, yeah, when when you can't have constant refrigeration freezing supply chain stuff it's like yep put that shit in a pot under pressure and boil the fuck out of it or you're gonna die <laughs> yep in 1329 he was getting older and sicker uh and his stepmother uh yolandi of drew insisted that since he had no heir he should probably name one specifically john of monfort to take over when he died there's a lot of johns here unfortunately there's actually a lot almost everybody has the same fucking name in this in in this script um now, John III hated the other John, and uh, the other John also hated him for really no good reason other than they were half-brothers, and uh, John III hated uh, John of Montfort's mother, his stepmom. Uh, so John III said, fuck it, I'll give the duchy to the French king, uh, which the nobles absolutely refused. So he named his niece, Joan, as his heir. Uh, her name is also sometimes written as uh, like Janine, uh, but but there's also like two more Janines coming up, so I'm gonna go with Joan. <laughs> it could be Joan, or it could be Jeanne, like yeah. J E A N N E. So it's just like female John, girl John. Yeah, uh, in the 1300s, really like you could pick from five names. Um, yeah, which is funny because like Breton people have the wildest Celtic names, but I guess I guess if you were royalty, you weren't allowed to or, or whatever. Back in those days, I have no idea. Maybe like when you picked your titles or something like that, or they named you like officially. You know, your name couldn't be like Briuk or something like that. The nobles had yet to invent a sixth name. Um, uh, 
a second John has just hit the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Internecine John warfare. It is very funny because this is notionally a Christian kingdom and everyone's named John, a very Christian name. But this much fighting between your mom and stepmom and hatred and giving things away to piss off your stepmom, this is a very, very Jewish coded story. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> um, however, power would not have gone to, gone to Joan. It would have gone to Joan's husband, Charles of Beloy, uh, a nephew of the French king, Philip VI. But as he was dying, John III penned a will that then named John of Montfort his heir after already telling Charles that he was going to be heir. So he had named two heirs and then died. Uh, Whoops. <laughs> real Alexander the Great moment. Um, I hate it when this happens. They, they simply don't want you to do this. Uh, when, he was, when he was asked, like, hey, you already, like, you already named someone else heir to, your, to, the, to the duchy, like, who is your heir? This is getting quite confusing. And his last words of the subject were, quote, for God's sake, leave me alone and do not trouble my spirit with such things. And then died without clarifying anything to anyone. Meaning this might be the first time in the show's history where a single guy created his own succession crisis. Uh, this genuinely is like you, you have no choice but to click through the dialogue in a Castlevania cutscene. <laughs> like you want to intervene, but like the game is forcing you to have this problem. The war of succession so you just can't do anything to change it the the duchy of Brittany's version of final fantasy 7 now most of the upper nobility supported charles of Blois, uh so john of montfort would have to move quickly to secure his claim if he was going to succeed in taking it so he wrangled together a whole bunch of mercenaries and began to take over regional capitals uh now this is mostly bloodless at this point because Nobody really, uh, Charles hadn't really organized a defense yet. Uh, but most importantly, during this point, he secured the duchy's entire treasury while he was at it. Um, now, John III died in April, and by May, John of Montfort had managed to secure enough power and money that an assembly of townspeople and minor nobles recognized him as the rightful duke though the upper uh, nobility mostly still supported Charles. And while this was happening, Charles was attempting to secure the military strength of France in order to help him invade Western Brittany. In a tale as old as time, when this started happening, John of Montfort turned to who else but the English for help. And since this is the 1300s, neither f the French or the English really cared why, if there was a war going on, they were getting involved. Uh, especially There's also one thing to bear in mind too here, which is a lot of people may not be aware of this if they're not schooled up on this particular era of European history, which is that at this point, the English crown had a large possession of its own territory in Calais on the European mainland. So technically speaking, there were some other holdings, I think in Burgundy as well, but like there were areas of France at that time, small fiefdoms that were actually controlled by the English crown. So like the English kind of involvement, meddling, constant warfare in France at that time, the Low Countries at that time was also due to the fact that like Technically speaking, we conceive of England ending at the English Channel and at the the border between Scotland and the border between Wales. But like in those days, the English crown controlled shit on the 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 European continent. And similarly, like it's not like that ended in the Middle Ages. You know, at one point France, like Algeria, was just part of France. You know, New Caledonia was just part of France. It's it's literally like it's closer to fucking Australia than it is to to anything else. And now um, you go to any beach in Spain or Portugal, it's part of England. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes, it sure is. It sure is. Unbiro Ichipos. 
Senora. Uh, Oi, yeah, mate, man. you got a language for that. Uh, you got a license for that language. Chippies. Oi, mate. For English. Do you speak it? <laughs> yeah, I was also going to say, Joe, you're going to laugh because I normally don't do this, but I thought you might find it funny is that I looked it up just to make sure I understood the word that you were using and it would actually be Charles of Blois. But saying the word Blois sounds like you're trying to create a slur for French people. <laughs> so I am going to just let you do Blois. Well, then it's I'm fine. Then I'm going to say Blois. Because they Blois. deserve Because the French deserve Charles a... de Blois. Charles de Blois sounds like the sex version of Charles de Gaulle. Like, oh. that sounds like his porn name. Just a, a tall, skinny Charles de Gaulle snaking into the sheets, <laughs> smelling like cigarettes. Just, absolute, just absolutely cooking with Be- Benson and Hedges. Oh, Jesus. Can you only, can you oh. only imagine horny Charles de Gaulle? Oh. And you know it happened because he's French. I mean, what kind of Frenchman wouldn't be horny? That is the thing they do. Yeah. Uh, they... they, they Cheat on their wives and then chain smoke. I don't. Uh, that's French. And then, like, I don't know. A clown falls off a unicycle. That's French culture yeah, to me. The prime, the prime minister presumes that, or the French president presumes, no one's going to notice him, the president, riding his scooter around Paris to go have sex with his mistress. <laughs> he, just, he just thinks this is normal. This happened. This happened. Francois Hollande did this in like the 2010s. I'm not making that's it up. It's fucking incredible. I know. They're amazing. They're such an amazing country. How does it work? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so there's a possibility that the English would have sat this one out, but France and England had recently signed a truce during the larger Hundred Years' War, which centered on competing claims over the Duchy of Aquitaine and the French throne itself when the king killed over and died without a male heir. However, this new succession crisis gave the English a chance to kick the whole thing off once again, uh, with the added bonus of the English crown getting a little bit more of uh, Western France if they managed to win and put their guy on the throne, right? Uh, um, The French king himself was kind of fence-sitting the entire thing as the Hundred Years' War had been one hell of a drain on finances and resources. But when he heard John of Montfort had the ear of the King of England, he immediately recognized Charles and Joan's claim to the duchy. The king of England promised military aid, but it was way too late. And the French military aid to Charles was immediate and decisive, uh, uh, ending in John of Montfort being kicked in the teeth and eventually imprisoned after losing a couple battles. However, John still had supporters. And this is actually kind of interesting to me. They just threw John of Montfort in prison. I kind of assume like this is the 1300s. You, you, you defeat your opponent who is also claiming is like... You, Cut off his head, right? Like you do something terrible, hang, draw, and quarter them, whatever. Uh, whatever the French do to uh, to execute people, which is, I assume, having sex until your pelvis breaks. Yeah, jamming it, jamming a funnel down your throat and filling it with fucking grain until your <laughs> liver explodes and they make it into a delicacy. You know, the weird thing is, Joe, is that just from having read a little bit about this, is that you're not wrong, except for the fact that like, that would the execution and that kind of stuff you're describing is more sort of the last resort if they don't get concessions or ransoms. But because there was so much trading back and forth between people of captured nobles, if they were just captured soldiers, they could very easily just be executed on the spot. Yeah, but true. When true. it's captured nobles, captured aristocrats, the there's always going to be the opportunity to trade. Whereas if I, I believe there were things, for example, when like they tried to take over Malta and they did not... Uh, successfully trade for hostages and they just they just fucking broke a bunch of dudes on the wheel because they're like you know it's sort of like well uh i guess i gotta pour these bottles of wine down the drain kind of thing they're just like well fuck it we're just gonna kill all you guys that does in these stories happen but like there tends to be a sort of like ah this will be useful I'll, I'll throw him in like you know the cum smelling dungeon or whatever i'm sure they have it segregated <laughs> no no not the cum dungeon not the, cum, not the cum dungeon not the the one with the trees that smell really weird that bloom in may i can't even remember what those trees are called but they, they had them the all over trees. indiana cum trees yeah, yeah. exactly 
Uh, you've heard of a gum tree. Have you Have you heard of the second uh, worst thing? <laughs> it's that time of year again. Fuck. <laughs> ah, it's the season of cum. Uh, exactly. Now, uh, with Montfort being thrown in prison, uh, he still had supporters within the duchy called Montfortist, um, who are now being led by his wife, Janine. Uh, yes, both guys vying over the throne had French wives with the same name. With the same name. Uh, which is why this it's is, This is great. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like Jean versus Jean, Jeanne versus Jeanne. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of a parody of Frenchness in its own right. Like I said, they'll to- eventually invent a sixth name. They just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, and sometimes this war is called the, the war of the two Janines or Janines. Uh, though, uh, they, the Montfortis weren't doing great. Um, they kept getting stomped pretty badly by the French military, and they eventually lost most of their holdings outside of the town of Brest, which allowed them to hang on long enough to finally get English military aid, uh, which arrived right on time. And by right on time, I mean a year late in uh, 1342. Um, this is- it is very funny to look up the commanders and leaders on the Wikipedia page for the War of Britain succession, and it's a John, a Joanna, a John, and then the other side, a Charles and a John. And then there's one British guy, Sir Thomas Dagworth. And you're just like, just fucking, can you make it any more obvious, please? Sir Thomas Dagworth of Upper Dicker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, I, I'm, just, I'm just imagining like the kind of the insane place names that have been forgotten to history. Like you thought the Dicker at Upper Dicker or like Shittington or Dis or any of these weird fucking places. But Is I'm Shittington sure were, a real place? No, Shittington's uh, not a real I don't think it's a I'm, real place. I'm going to choose to believe that it is. But uh, there, I, I know there is a place that that, that is that is uh, v- like there are there are definitely weird enough place names in the United Kingdom to uh, to to satiate anyone's curiosity. I wish I could be like a font of wisdom and just fully remember them on the fl- on the fly, but I don't. Like I try to forget this place. I'm a sh- I'm a Shittington truther now. You're hiding yeah, it sh- from me. Sh- exactly, Shittington's actually a real place. Yeah. <laughs> now the the English military force numbered a little over a thousand was under the command of William the Earl of Northampton. Um, and, uh, this officially turned the entire thing into little more than a proxy war between France and England, which was diplomatically sketchy as one had just ended. And this, this turn of events brought the Pope into it as the Catholic church, when it wasn't starting its own wars back in the day, was kind of sort of trying to act as a go between, between, uh, Christian realms who started killing one another. You know, the Pope needed them to go kill Muslims in the Middle East. They didn't want them to waste their strength on one another. Uh, the Pope eventually did secure a temporary truce between the French and the English, but not the actual combatants in the Breton War of Secession, um, because the Pope wanted to find a way to end it for good. However, each truce was immediately torpedoed by the loyalists of the House of Law and the Montfortists, who refused to have the war end in any way that did not end with them in power. Gotcha. So basically... This was sort of like an impasse where all the diplomatic solutions seem to be getting exhausted. And it's just like, at some point, we're just going to start to have to hit each other with halberds. Like, it's yeah. just going to happen. Well, it's like the British and the French got involved. And they're like, this kind of sucks. We want it to end. But then they kind of forgot what the whole point of the war was. They're like, we don't care if you want it to end. Like, we're still trying to take over the Dutch, you fucking assholes. Like, and I, the, the Pope probably would have had it in something of a status quo where the duchy ends up being kind of subsumed by the French and the British with no clear victory. So, I mean, it, it would have been a war again at some point. Now, eventually John of Montfort died and Charles of Blois was captured two years after that. 
after which he'd be held in a British prison for nearly a fucking decade. Uh, something that was almost virtually a death sentence. I was going to say, can you imagine the meals he was served? Just how fucking, just how gruesome they would have been? It has just to like, be some kind of like pudding made out of wheat. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it was like the stuff that they look back when they have modern day bread sauce and they're like, ooh, at least this shit is good compared to that old stuff. Yeah. It's like, just, yeah, exactly. Like, like mushy bread, bread and rainwater, <laughs> bread and drippings if you're lucky. Uh, drippings just, of just, what? You don't want to know. You don't even want to know. Exactly. You know, they're, they're brown. They have flavor. The flavor is also bad. Exactly. It's the origins of brown sauce. That was this is before they cleaned, they churched it up and made it made it presentable. <laughs> I, brown sauce is legitimately, I mean, like, okay, it, w- what they're actually talking about is Houses of Parliament sauce or HP sauce, but they do just call it brown sauce. How the fuck so is you, there a, a sauce named after the House of Parliament? That's like, I hey, no idea, let me put, bro, some, let no me put some fucking Congress on this burger. It's, I mean, it's, it's just the brand. It's like a, it's like a, oh, like a kind okay. of a tamarind sauce. It tastes, it's like a tamarind vinegar sauce. It's kind of like not too far off from Worcester sauce, but just like it's, it's the consistency of ketchup and they love putting it on stuff. So like on meat, on like, a full English, like when you're in a cafe or, or as the Brits call it, a calf and you get a full, a full English, like the big breakfast, like budget cuts typically... have eliminated the E in cafe. I, I, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to sound too posh. So I just call it a calf and I sound like I've been hitting the head really hard. Like, believe <laughs> me, my, my beef with Britain, the country that I elected to move to as an adult is, is, is unending, but you'll literally be like, oh yeah, brown sauce and red sauce. And it's ketchup and fucking HP sauce. And it's like, uh, there's a part of me that's like, well, that that can't have just been a thing that popped up randomly. There's got to be a medieval antecedent of brown sauce, and that's what they were serving Charles of Blois, the really fucked up version of it. Yeah, it's just drippings like, coming off the wall of the cum dungeon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why they stacked the cum dungeon on top of the kitchen. They needed this stuff to be efficient. All right, gravity fed a lot of things in the Middle Ages. Uh, a bread was it a bread uh, pudding or bread sauce that reminded me a lot of something that like i grew up really poor so my family ate some weird shit and like i just thought it was normal and i feel like that's how bread sauce is still around it's like it's something that peasants put together because like well we have water and we have bread we have bread we have water we have like a soup bone or something let's make this savory whatever like milo milo talked about it being like a disgusting sort of curio of british christmas food but like honestly anything that's savory like it's just like wet stuffing like okay fine like i can handle it that makes it sound even worse i don't know dude i didn't grow up poor but my dad grew up thinking that fucking katusa snack bar versions of ramen were normal and so like (laughs) my dad when my dad had to cook dinner it would just be like ramen with peas and hot dogs in it Um, i thought it was pronounced ramen my entire life until i realized i'm like no that is how it's pronounced if you're korean i i counter that with i thought it was pronounced ramen Raymond? Yeah, because well, my I'm mom sure always Br- said Raymond noodles. <laughs> well, there's a place here that was like a pop-up dark kitchen restaurant. Like it's only on delivery apps. It's not uh, an actual restaurant. Sounds like a, and it was something for human trafficking. Like we've trafficked like, dark, all, dark, all of these cooks. Dark kitchen sounds like fucking like like you have to cast a spell on someone. <laughs> like like you get your food, but it, it it's subtracted from your immortal soul. Um, like a, but, a uh, kitchen you get locked in in one of the fucking Saw movies. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and then uh then what is it liam neeson comes in and manages to shoot everybody with a gun he's never handled before and doesn't <laughs> shoot you even though in in a real hostage situation he absolutely would have shot you um <laughs> i always that, that 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 always fucking annoyed me in the taken movie i'm like he's never handled that gun before there's no way he would take that shot like he just wouldn't know what the, how how that, that that pistol was Nate, gonna fire he has a set of skills you wouldn't understand 
Exactly. I really hate it when the electrical grid is, is stable because then I can't fucking electrical shock torture people. <laughs> uh, but no, but but the point I was trying to make um, in this really cascading fucking open close parentheses here is just that Okay, first of all, the cum dungeon. Um, <laughs> I'm, totally glad that, I'm glad 30 minutes into this episode, we've already dis- already discovered the cum dungeon, and that is something that's never leaving the show now. It's never leaving the show. It's, it's like the dick-sucking union. It came up organically, <laughs> and now it's interwoven into the show to the point that, like, you can't... You, it, it's just there. It, it's there. Like, you the cum on the walls. What sucks, dude, is that honestly, like, I did have a point that I thought I was gonna make there, but I, I like, I'm trying, I'm trying to fucking remember it, and it just, it's, it's completely escaped me, and I'm sure in the playback it's gonna be really annoying, but um, there it is. You know, I, I should stop, I should stop interrupting you, but it, it's, it's, you know, we're adding to more lore to this show, so sometimes That's I don't fine. feel bad. That's what we're here for. Um, so now Charles is in prison. John of Montfort is dead, and neither side has its original leader, meaning. There's really no reason to carry on, right? Like it, the the war of secession is over, as both the guys who are claiming the throne are gone, right? Uh, but carry on, they did. Of course, they did. Now, so I, I, I'm going to react in one second, but I have to say I did remember the thing I wanted to say, <laughs> which is there's a British restaurant, the Dark Kitchen restaurant. It's called Slam and Ramen, which doesn't make any sense why it would be seen as like punchy thing to say, and it's like oh, it's because the Brits would say ramen. So literally, they call it slam and ramen, which just sounds like sex. Yeah, like that. That sounds like dogging. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some noodles with your dogging? But anyway, to, to bring it back to the point, because I totally forgot what I wanted to say. But now I is that. Uh, so basically, at this point, the cause for the war, everyone's dead or in prison. Yeah, or in prison. But they're gonna keep at it. Yep, uh, they, they just kept on keeping on. And in the in the initial opening combat of the war, the uh, in the appearance of the French and the English, the war had devolved into mostly small scale raiding between the two sides of loyalists. Neither side had the the power to end the war, and the especially without the the power of the uh, the French and the British, and they didn't really care. Uh, they didn't really feel like pouring manpower into the battlefield in order to end it. They're also kind of sort of sticking to the truce they made with the Pope, um, and they didn't much care about the war anymore, uh, mostly staying out of it directly. The French also were kind of convinced uh, to stay out of it after they got stomped in the battlefield once or twice. Like, all right, we had our initial victories. This is actually quite hard. Uh, Let's all get on our scooter and go to our mistress's house. Um, Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) like they had the whatever the fucking 14th century equivalent of a scooter was a jaunty little bit of transit. Maybe it was like a like a a pony or a small horse or something like (laughs) that. I don't know because like 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 a a cart pulled by a peasant who you could trust to look the other way when you were hitting it like that's just what they had to go find their mistresses. <laughs> go get my human cart. I need to go see my mistress. Uh, this led to a pretty much complete stalemate on both sides of the war. Each party of the war was just kind of staring at one another from areas of the control without anyone actually being able to conquer anything. And uh, Pope Innocent the Sixth encouraging that this should continue because it's kind of a peace. Um, enter Jean de Baumanier, Baumanor. I don't know. Uh, give me a second here. Let's see if I can find Bowman- the people on here. Baumanor. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great oh, over here. Oh, great! Yeah, you're doing. You're doing amazing. Um, hang on one second. Jean de Baumanor. Baumanor. Okay, Jean de Baumanor. We're back. 
we had to take, <laughs> we had to take a slight break so uh, he could teach me how to say a French word. Uh, now he was a Blois loyalist and captain of a garrison, which was very near the Montfortis garrison, ca- captained by Sir Robert Bemboro. Seemingly out of boredom, and for no other reason that we're aware of, Jean penned a, a challenge to Robert, which reportedly said, and bear with me, this is like ye olde English, quote, to our best to be thinks to adjust our differences in this way, by mortal combat in the field on some appointed day. Yeah, it rhymes. It's weird. 30 against 30, and you list together we will fight, armed at all points and on our steeds, and heaven defend the right. I'm willing to bet this is more of something someone wrote later, as I highly doubt this guy wrote him a poem. Um, this translation came out yeah. years after the fact, so yeah. it's probably not probably not a, a real thing. Um, yeah, and I will also say that in a lot of these situations, like I found when these documents got translated, like particularly in the really kind of bombastic narrative histories that would be published in you know the centuries following before the modern era and then in the early modern era they always tried to make it rhyme and seem more like versified than it might have been and And also just let's just bear in mind too they were not speaking modern french when this was taking place no the language they spoke was very very different i mean it's like you can read it in the sense that you can recognize some words but like having studied this period as part of my degree uh in French literature, uh, everything you read, even for native French speakers, has to be in in like bilingual because they a native French reader, unless they had learned the same way that like you could you know learning modern or um, Middle English and some to, that kind of transitional between Old English and Middle English, like you wouldn't recognize that unless you'd been trained and, and educated to learn it, like to understand it. Like French people can't just pick up a thing of like. Like I have books of like poems from the 12th and 1300s in French. They're in what is effectively a different language. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And so they, not they to mention this makes them look much it. more romantic because they're knights. And yes, I would agree. They have yeah. to make them look good. You gotta, the, the knights have to have their hype, man. And, and I wanted to say one other thing too, which is that like if you look up stuff about like the, the combat des trains, like the, the, the combat of 30, you'll find a lot of stuff about it kind of romanticizing it from the middle 19th century drawings mm. paintings kind of like things in stories kind of legends and things along those lines and so like the one thing that you're gonna that i feel like is worth bearing in mind with this is that like you you can find stuff you know on wikipedia and articles elsewhere talking about it and showing illustrations that are clearly from the medieval period like sort of uh, contemporaneous but then you'll also find a lot of really heavily romanticized stuff in the kind of like French Second Empire period, which if oh, you know anything about the dumbest version France, of the French Empire, yeah, God, the the the, the second like the most the most incompetent and weird and very like like um kind of overly sappy nostalgic kind of romanticized versions of French history. Um, oh yeah, I mean that whole thing was. Napoleon the third no he was going by Napoleon the third right it was Napoleon the third he took over in the coup in I think 1851 um, after the revolution of 1848 and basically ran France into the ground and then got captured at the battle of Sedan Sedan. yeah yeah yes at at, at Sedan was 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 run basically completely ate shit uh in the Franco-Prussian war and that led to the collapse of the regime. Someday, maybe we can do a series oh, we on the Franco-Prussion War. Absolutely, going to do a series on the Franco-Prussion War. I am obsessed with the Franco-Prussion War and the Belle Epoque and like the weird guys of that era. So, like, yeah. if you ever want me on to talk about insane French history, dude, I'm I'm all of about course. it. And I'm about to move to a French-speaking country, so I'll really be fucking <laughs> drowning in this shit. Now, uh, regardless of what this thing actually said, Ben Boro immediately agreed, probably because he was bored as hell too. Now, there is a second argument here that. 
what was the real cause of this duel to the death as you know boredom is one thing that's often cited and, and it seems to be what is quite honestly the most realistic excuse uh another thing is that the two captains personally hated one another like more than just because they're on opposite sides of the war they like hated each other on a personal level one reason is that Beaumanoir and his men acted like bandits towards the local population and they appealed to Bemboro for help to stop them however that doesn't make a ton of sense as one of the few details that is established without much of a doubt is Beaumanoir challenged Bemboro not the other way around another theory is way back in the day Bemboro had fucked Beaumanoir's wife uh, <laughs> the animating impulse of a lot of medieval conflicts because yeah. they're just and remember, these guys are both like from the they're nobles from the duchy. Like they're probably vaguely related, um, and that's there was a healthy rumor going around that dude had clapped homie's wife. Uh, <laughs> that that is you know they made eyes the at each other at the feast of some saint no one knows about anymore. Yeah, every third day was a feast day for nobles for some saint. You know, the loot was just rocking. The the unfiltered wine really got to their heads. She made some mistakes, you know, but he never got over it. <laughs> and th- of course, that is the reason I would like to believe. Uh, but I, I, I think it truly was just probably boredom. I mean, these guys are mostly knights. Of course, they have people who aren't knights in their in their units and whatever in their armies. Uh, but they were bored and knights were soldiers. And even back then, as we've proven time and time again just like seeing like romans carve dicks on the walls that they're still discovering all over the world soldiers are always soldiers just like we talked about already you can't leave soldiers sitting around for too long or they're gonna do dumb shit like set up a game of mortal Kombat out in a field yeah i mean and i think with knights too you have to bear in mind is that knights have been basically trained in in both courtly manners and then also in combat basically from from the age of seven onwards and they'd been basically doing field training more or less constantly always being on their horses always riding always training since about the age of 14 and then since once becoming confirmed as night being knighted which typically would happen around the early 20s um all they like being not on campaign was a very very uncomfortable place for them to be both like financially and in sort of like the sense of i don't know like it's hard to to communicate like sensibilities from that far back from such a different culture but like the best way i could describe it from the things that i've read and understood about this is that not being on campaign not being in combat not being out doing your job as a knight was sort of like i don't know like somewhere between forgetting to put your pants on when you walk outside or fucking being a professional athlete and just like not playing in the season even though you're fit like being on the night version of like the ir like it sucks a healthy scratch from night from knighthood they, they they genuinely were like a combination of like all these things we can derive in really cliched ways like special operators but also professional athletes like there's yeah. so much about them that but like the, the most fundamental thing is that like until their bodies fully gave out or they died they were just doing campaigns yeah they were off fighting that was their job or standing that around was, at a feast for the third time that day like, exactly yeah exactly or, just or, sitting or, my ass in a castle or like or 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 catching the dove that their rival had sent over to their wife with a little piece of fucking neckerchief on it and just ripping its head off. <laughs> now, uh whatever the reason, the two sides would agree on some particulars, namely how many people would be involved. They cut a deal that both sides would bring 30 of their best knights and squires, um though the vast majority on both sides would be squires and men at arms rather than knights. Uh, 
not unimportant distinction in, in the moment. Uh, there'd be no reinforcements no matter what happened on the field. And the two sides would have to sit and fuck each other up until the contest came to a decisive conclusion. They even agreed on uniforms. One side would be wearing tunics with a red cross and the others would be wearing with a black cross. Also, since they were all knights, I guess, the fight would have to be done under the rules of chivalry. Now, it doesn't say exactly what those rules are. And the codes of chivalry were uh, kind of depends. They varied somewhat depending on where you were, who your lord was when it, exactly you were claiming to follow the rules as they change with time. And there wasn't a, really a universal code that we would think of. And for what it's worth, the, the, the Knight's Code of Chivalry is described in the Song of Roland as, one, to fear God and maintain his church, to serve your Lord Liege in valor and faith, to protect the weak and the defenseless, to give succor to widows and children. Succor. Succor. <laughs> Important word. You, 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 you gotta suck off the widows and orphans. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I am so sorry uh, to refrain from the wanton giving of offense to live by honor and for glory to despise reward to fight for the welfare of all to obey those placed in authority to guard the honor of fellow knights to eschew unfairness meanness and deceit to keep faith at all times speak the truth to persevere at the end of any enterprise that has begun to respect the honor of women and never refuse a challenge from an equal and never turn your back on your foe. Now the song of Roland was written possibly 300 years before all this. So their rules may have been different. I didn't see anything in there about, you know, wearing a, the right uniform to your murder game. Um, they also could have come up with some God ordained rule of shotgun or takes these backsies at this point. I really have no idea. It was noted that both sides agreed. There'd be no quote deceit or trickery. They would simply line up in front of one another and commence the killing. Like you're not, you can't hide the archers in the woods. Uh, you can't, uh, I don't know, hide a dude around a tree and, and, and sneak him into the battle or something. Uh, no extra men. Um, they, they finally agreed on the location for their organized violence, a specific tree that lay in the midpoint between their two towns, known as the Midway Oak. They then picked their weapons. They agreed upon melee weapons only because obviously bows are for cowards or whatever. Uh, swords, daggers, axes, and spears. The one guy named Thomas Bellafort, who was known for being looking vaguely like the hound from game of thrones and armed himself with a 25 pound goddamn sledgehammer uh, <laughs> yes i mean i don't want to get hit by that but uh no, it's yeah getting your like i don't care how much like armor you put on when some dude brains you with a 25 pound war hammer you're you're you're, you're taking the, the forever sleep you know that's that's the thing right you said it before i did Warhammer, but like yeah roger like it's like it's not just a claymore or a huge big sword like a comically oversized sword like you know scimitar like fucking that basically might as well be the buster sword from final <laughs> fantasy 7 it's it's like no the guy shows up to battle with a hammer like that's that's trending trending towards orc shit that's trending <laughs> towards like like fucking you know like 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 the, like the dark lord comes down and plays you know plays the forbidden note that makes everyone's head explode like it sounds like something out of fantasy that's what makes it so funny to me is that it's so the premise is over the top to begin with but then you have these details uh, you know, it's like meet us at the halfway oak and just fucking getting slaughtered with hammers. It's nuts. <laughs> it's insane. Just uh, like everybody's like, oh, I see everybody brought their swords. That's cool. Oh, I see Tom brought the fucking war hammer again. And, like this guy has to be a fucking monster. Like he's described as big for the day, but 
in order to just swing a 25 pound sledgehammer like while wearing armor for a prolonged period of time and running around and chasing men down and murdering them with it like this dude had to be like fucking lebron james of murdering guys with a hammer (laughs) you know like yeah i mean it's safe to assume these guys were yoked as hell like knights typically trained with weapons that were in excess of the normal weight so that their actual combat weapons would seem light you know they they would fatigue more uh like more slowly slower i can't speak english and uh and so like these guys were these guys were hench these guys were huge and this guy in particular exactly was just uh was lebron jamesing it with um with you know the 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 john henry pile driver hammer of your <laughs> we've talked a bit before about how the past is a pretty terrible place to live especially in the middle of a 1300s war zone you're bored yes. as hell you're hungry you've probably never taken a solid shit in your life and your closest exactly. friends are your countless parasites I've had more Mountain Dew Code Red in my entire, in, in just my life so far than you've ever had it in your entire existence. You know, like <laughs> just if, if you show them like microwave popcorn, they would absolutely have a stroke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so in, in the grand scheme of things, well, I'm going to say popcorn. They'd be like, what is this heathen grain? You know, like, <laughs> they've never seen corn before. I, corn doesn't exist to them. I can, I can only eat things that give me ergot poisoning. As exactly. God intended. If you don't like it, go back to your own time. Exactly. <laughs> the, 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 they start the, shooting the, themselves at the same time. The heathen Saracen believes we shouldn't all die of rickets, but you know what? <laughs> I've read the one true gospel. Yes, my child was born with his legs bending the other way, but you know what? I prayed to God and this is what exactly. we got. Exactly. You know what? I know for a fact that there's a dude who got a piece of the one true cross. He, only guy who's got this. I know this for a fact too. And he's going to touch my child on its fucked up knees and it'll cure him. That's <laughs> and, how it works. And nobody will call, call my child ostrich boy anymore. Exactly. So exactly. nobody should be that surprised when I tell you that when word got out about this um, upcoming Duel, night fight. I don't know what to call this. Uh, mm-hmm. Night fight, fight night in Brittany. Um, yeah, it's exactly. This is this is the the this is the UFC of its day. This is the octagon of its day. You know what I mean? Like, in case you didn't know, you can watch UFC style guys fighting in full plate armor. I, I, of course, it's Russian um, on YouTube. I think it's called night fighting, uh, and they. It is a CTE machine. These guys are taking like full bore sword swings to the fucking head and just getting knocked clean the fuck out, like getting connected to God's Wi-Fi with a like a bastard sword wearing full plate armor in like 2022. You know, this is why they had to constantly recite, you know, the Chanson de Roland or Tristan or like La Priest Orange and like the same stories they all knew. Is it like if you didn't continually recite the same stories in like ballads and songs that everyone knew, like you, these guys wouldn't retain any new information because they're just like, like, they are so concussed that like you can count the non-concussed moments of their lives as if it was like, like the special events. Like it's literally just like, I spend my day getting my bell rung and then I, I'm also the only liquid I consume is alcoholic. <laughs> Everybody's had their brain churned to fucking paste by old Tom's giant hammer. <laughs> no. So when word got out about this night fight, it spread quickly. People from every nearby town and village emptied out and streamed over to the area where the battle was supposed to take place so they could watch. Stands opened up. People sold food, alcohol, and they made bets on who would win. The Bowman Ward team was favored by the bookies and soon, uh, remember like the uh, two to be a, a death match turned into a festival meshed with a spectator sport. They even had like a guy who would call out who the knights were. So they effectively had an announcer. 
like they uh, like if you went to like a, a jousting or like games or something where they had an announcer they did that but in the middle of a war I'm just imagining someone playing jock jams on the harp. Bling 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 bling. Now on March 26, 1351, the two sides of 30 apiece showed up, and according to eyewitnesses, the two sides met in the middle, exchanged a friendly greeting with pleasantries before once again separating themselves into opposite sides of the field. Though, again, this is up for debate. There's a specific English and a specific French epic poem that are main sources on this event. The English poem makes both sides seem as knightly and chivalric as possible, while the French poem makes the English look like shit-talking assholes, uh, which I think both of those things could probably be true. Um, According to the poem, The Battle of the 30 English and the 30 Bretons, Bamboro rode up and immediately began snipping at Beaumanoir for being late, being a coward, and not wanting to fight. I also assume in what was some cutting old-timey trash talk, he said, quote, Where art thou, Beaumanoir? Have at thee by default. Hast thou been here? Full speedily discomforted thou must been. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I was also thinking to myself, like, in a way, your description of this makes me realize that A Knight's Tale is actually a documentary. Yeah. Like, them using fucking, like, Bachman Turner Overdrive and David Bowie and ACDC and a thing about medieval jousting or whatever. Like, they're not that far off the mark. Uh, in a way, that makes it more interesting than pretending that it, like, like, like that it was, like, this staid, you know, very, like, dry, kind of, like, weepy shit. Like, no, this was entertain both entertainment and also, like, insanely violent. Yeah, and it's... The world was a horrible, violent place. I think we've talked about this on the show before, where like death wasn't really that serious. Nobody cared. Everyone died left and right. So it's like, oh, yeah, I went down to the market to buy some apples. I saw there was a death match. I saw a huge fucking geezer with a hammer mash a guy into paste. And then I came home. (laughs) Yeah. And I fucking, this boar meat is the only protein we're going to have for the next 30 days. Yeah. So you guys like tree bark. Yeah. So uh, when nobody was looking, I cut a piece off the dead guy and now we're, we're having a bibimbap. So that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Once again, bibimbap with like, you've consumed a a thousand percent more bibimbap than the average medieval peasant because they didn't have hot peppers. And I don't know if they had rice that far north. Probably not. I genuinely, I I don't think they did. Yeah. They just, they just, they just like slurped up fucking gruel. And if you're a, you know, a, a noble or something, you'd slurp up gruel and then eat horribly diseased meat, which would kill you. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. And just eat the most disgusting things on earth. Like, I don't know, like stargaze pie or something. Oh yeah. Well, let me start whatever that, that at least makes sense. You know, savory pie with fish sticking out of it. You don't want to waste anything, but when it's like peacock, you roast peacock slathered in apricots. (laughs) That sounds like shit. Like, could you please pass the rat asshole stuff with ferrets? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, there's an extent to which we have to delineate between what is food you eat to survive versus food that you want to eat. And it's just sort of like, you know, I don't really want to live in the Middle Ages any more than I want when you look at like Roman menus and it's the exact same thing. It's, oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, it's like food picked because it's exotic stuff with more exotic things. And you're like, that sounds like, that sounds like you took your grandma's potpourri and stuffed it in roadkill and ate it. <laughs> like, it's miserable. <laughs> Now, uh, to, to this slight, a Beaumanoir responded, 
Quote, we hear you well, me and my company. If it pleases the king of glory and St. Mary and the good St. Eves, Ives, in whom we have great faith, throw the dice, don't hold back. The luck will fall on you and your life will be short. I mean, this is kind of badass, let's be honest. It kind of sounds like anime, like anime dialogue, but also it's kind of badass. It, it, it's the medieval version of some guy saying all your base are belong to us or, or saying that the power of friendship will, def- will be able to defeat God. Um, yeah, exactly. It's medieval Care Bear stare. To be honest with you, for the many of your fans listening, all your base or belong to us might as well be something from the 14th century. That's probably true. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Sometimes I forget that I'm in my mid-30s and I am old now. Yeah. I had an all your base will belong to us t-shirt in high school and I thought it was really cool. I was in the year 2000. Nate, I am 100% convinced that you are the only person who thought that you were cool in that situation. People wanted to buy them. My brother made them with a screen printer and people wanted to buy them. They asked me where I bought when I was like, mm, you can't buy this. My brother got it. He made it. My, my cool brother, not cool at all. Uh, like, yeah, man, like that was 20, almost 23 years ago. So, you know, God. like ancient history. Uh, ancient it's even worse than ancient history it's ancient internet history and like we are the like the the generation that kind of grew up with the internet so we've we have the most cursed knowledge of internet history and like early early shit yeah that no we just you can't find anywhere like at least as regards the romans or medieval knights killing each other in a field like someone carved a dick into the the the, the oak of midway or whatever the hell <laughs> the, the the halfway oak la, la chaine de mivois but like <laughs> But, like, there isn't any trace of this stuff left. Like, you know, the stuff wasn't backed up. It wasn't archived. The devices have failed. Like, there is no centralized storage of it. It's just, like, I remember seeing dumb fucking, like, webcomics where they had just taken, like, like you know, very bad scans of cartoons and done, like, MS Paint over them to, like, create a new story. Or, like, oh, yeah. bad digital photos of, like, action figurines to make a comic book story. Like... I could Google any of the lines I remember from this very stupid story I used to follow on someone's like Angel Fire page. Nothing would come up. Literally, like in a way, we're like human repositories of, of information. No one we're, gives a we fuck. We are the about. kid from the giver. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> we are the kid from the giver for ancient memes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, all, they're all gone now. All of those dick jokes gone like tears in yeah, the rain. Exactly. <laughs> like like le- leisure town might still be around, but no one can remember. No one will understand how funny it was. You know, no one will remember. I, I don't even think Jerk City is around anymore. For it is, don't go look at Jerk City. It sucks. It's probably aged really bad. It's really homophobic and everything racist. That the everything on the internet was. Is, yeah. yeah. Now, honestly, I believe the second version of the shit talking more. These guys have been at war uh, for years. The knights are all seasoned violent psychopaths, not to mention the story of them hating each other's guts and possibly fucking one another's wives. And I refuse to believe that these guys didn't trash talk with the best of them. I mean, think about it. Like, you're not going to, if you're a knight, you're not killing your opponent in one swing. It's going to be virtually impossible unless you're the huge hoss with a fucking hammer. But, uh, like, you're going to be chirping at one another as you take hacks at, like, your head or whatever. Like, fuck you. Slap. Like, king. Oh, concussion. Fuck you. I I, I think that you and I, having lived in different cultures, realize that there's certain things that, like, may seem improbable to us but then you go to another you go to a country like armenia where like people don't really swear unless it's literally a really big deal you know i've been into a place like japan where like literally speaking you don't swear you just speak gruffly and that's how you communicate that you're swearing and being rude i don't it's possible that they did speak in this kind of like style and register because that's just how people talked back then i don't know but and i and i say this trying to be as open-minded and not not hateful as possible 
we also have to remember that this is being, inter- in many cases, interpreted to us through the writings of the most closet gay Catholics of the 19th century. <laughs> and so, like, there is a degree to which, like, we may be getting the overly flowery, romanticized version. But then again, that might be just how they talked. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and the, the to make sure that this whole death match went according to plan, they hired referees. The two captains agreed to hire a couple of guys who are not at least outwardly loyal to either side, so they had impartial refs. The refs were put in charge of where the battle st- when the battle started, when they were going to take breaks, because they had agreed they'd uh, have a refreshment break halfway through, so they had a halftime. Uh, and then the refs were also there to make sure everybody followed the rules, though I'm not really sure how some refs were going to control knights. Like, imagine, I don't know. Tom the orc kicks some guy in the balls or whatever and that's against the rules are you going to be the guy that's like yellow card you can't do that red card while you were allowed to kill that man you were not allowed to say he had a tiny dick and balls (laughs) that's right yeah Um, rules of chivalry just imagine a tiny underfed medieval peasant throwing a red card at a guy who's smashing another man's head in with a warhammer and sending him off the field. Yeah, exactly. He's just managed to just cloven someone in twain with an <laughs> axe that was built like it was a novelty oversized prop. And the guy comes out and says, you made a joke that you weren't going to provide succor to his orphans. <laughs> yellow card. Get out. Oh, man, Penalty I had time. a yellow card during the last death match. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> Francois the Blade gets a corner kick. <laughs> Once everyone was ready, the ref signaled for the fighting to start, and the two sides went running at one another. The death game was officially on. Now, knight fighting, knights fighting, whatever, uh, was really unlike any other kind of combat uh, for most of time. They're really heavily armored, so you just smashed into each other, swords bouncing off one another. You really want to knock someone down and then like shove a dagger into like a yep. slit of their armor or their eye holes. Yep. Got <laughs> to catch a blade in the eye hole. I'm flashing back to your your story or your episode about the Battle of Agincourt, and that's the similar thing, is that these guys were so weighed down with armor, like for the the style of combat where you rode into battle on horseback and then got off, your, you, you either clashed on horseback and knocked each other over, or you got off and you fought on foot. They were so ill-equipped for both the weather, for the the mud, and then for the fact that they were going to have to defend against longbows. They just basically, a lot of them, like you told in your story, either crushed and asphyxiated each other, climbing over each other, or drowned in the mud because their armor weighed them down. Yeah. Like, as you said, this was a... This was definitely like a fucking American Ninja Warrior <laughs> style combat, except it was real. And that's, in a way, like, it's hard to not be impressed by the kind of the drama of it but also it's to my eyes it's 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 hard to not find it really funny too. yeah of course it's hilarious because like knights could actually move quite well uh you can see videos of people uh on youtube where they're wearing full recreate like authentic recreations of of knight armor and they're like can run on treadmills and like jump up and down do push-ups or whatever so like but it's still really fucking heavy um, I mean, the way it is distributed, whatever, but like, you know, kind of like an Asian court, it doesn't really matter if like, oh, no, my army of knights is defeated by some wet dirt, you know, like, and and they're just smashing into each other. Like, it has, I mean, it, it, you can see videos of it, like, especially the night fight MMA shit, it's, but it looks like, hilarious. Like something that blew my mind as a kid learning about this, because living in Europe as a kid and seeing this stuff in museums and things like that is that, you know, they would wear, uh, typically they would wear 
either a leather like leather suit underneath or leather suit and then a chainmail suit and then individual plates. So every single piece of that armor is a strapped on plate with leather buckles and and metal buckles and leather straps. So like imagine like wearing the bite suit from when they train police dogs and then you put a football uniform on top of it but it's made out of metal yeah and then you have to go and kill people with huge swords like it is both an incredible feat of athletic prowess and insanely funny yeah i honestly i'm I'm curious how some of these guys like looked because like like you said they're a mix between soldier and professional fucking athlete and as much as like the u.s army attempts to say that like our soldiers are athletes like they're really not uh, it doesn't really take that much skill to walk in a circle until some rando shoots at you. Trust me, I could tell. Uh, yeah. but like you do carry a lot of heavy shit on you, but also yeah. like, you know, you have, you have access to more pizza, hot pockets in the first strike <laughs> ration than any medieval night in the hundred <laughs> yeah. years war. So there's a degree to which like the stakes are different. They, they, they had much more austere conditions. Yeah. And these guys have to be able to do this eating like an absolute dog shit diet and drinking mostly booze because water yeah. is not clean. Water will kill you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the spicy water will make you shit out your insides until you die. Um, now this is, uh, getting knocked over and stabbed or crushed is normally how knights died. Uh, and that is how the, uh, Frenchman went down early discredit as being taken off his feet and having his head crushed in by our good old friend, Tom. Not Tom, the producer. Though we don't know. He might be some kind of Highlander. I was going to say, they brought him (laughs) over from Ireland to swing a hammer. (laughs) Now, most importantly, it was slow. And I don't mean that because knights couldn't move fast. Of course they could. Uh, They can probably move faster than I know. I know that I originally thought they could. Thomas O'Mahony? No, Thomas O'Mahammer on your fucking head. (laughs) Now, uh, wearing armor like that, like the layers of armor, carrying a heavy sword spear or comically oversized hammer that i can't get over axe halberd hatchet whatever yeah in the heat of spring for that long you get tired so you have to pace yourself so they could go longer not trip up get themselves killed you know and also they're rapid they're those, those suits are rapidly filling with sweat piss and shit because they just let loose on themselves. I was gonna say they just they just fucking exploded. They just they just let 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 the dookie out. You know that's all you can do in yeah. six hours of combat. I mean marathon runners do it now. So why wouldn't medieval knights? You know, yeah. and they and medieval medieval Jordan Peterson hadn't gone on a benzo binge from fucking toadstools and invented medieval Gatorade. So <laughs> they didn't understand the concept of electrolytes. Come at ye now. Uh, after several hours, the refs finally called for a halftime. The current score, because that's what I'm going to call it, was Beaumanoir had suffered four dead and Bemboro two, though pretty much everyone was wounded in one way or another at this point. Uh, there's no word as to what the halftime show was. I assume burning some religious minority alive in the middle of the field. The halftime. I, don't know, I, I really don't know if there was a Jewish community in Brittany at that time. I mean, well, like, if there I was, know there they was, probably made sure it wasn't there for very long. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was thinking about it, like my mom, my mom's family, the Jewish side is from Norfolk, and like William of Norwich and the fucking original blood libel is like from there. Like, like Britain was world beating pioneers in terms of doing fucking pogroms in the 11th century. So yeah, it's just how it was. Now the halftime was quite short lasting just long enough for everybody to bind their wounds the best they could with some bandage that would absolutely give them an infection. They also pounded some wine to stave off thirst because like we said, water will kill you. And, uh, you know, obviously getting drunk makes lining up and braining the guy across from you a little bit easier to handle. Um, something about, you know, doing blood sport in front of a hooting crowd of spectators might be stressful when they go in for round two. 
after you know the, what made me think about this is like if I I one time accidentally bit into a fork and it was it like created this horrible sound painful feeling that like any kind of scraping metal reminds me of but imagine if your entire professional life literally from age seven was clanging metal on metal like you could scrape your nail on a chalkboard if knights knew what the fuck a chalkboard was and none of them would be bothered they'd be like am I Amstai supposed to be disturbed by this because like they just must have such a high tolerance for like horrible grating metal on metal noises that's all they ever did i also think that their senses are all dulled from constantly being mashed in the head it's like yeah, exactly it's like hanging out with mike tyson he's not all entirely there you know exactly yeah yeah we were led to victory by by our you know chivalric lord christopher of benoit <laughs> oh, fuck the name oh. even works Oh my God. I think I told this story before on the show. Uh, it was like a question from the Legion uh, about like, uh, what is someone that's been like, you know, canceled or something that shocked you. And like, obviously Chris Benoit was, full. I guess he was, he got the ultimate canceling in his own hands, but yeah, when I that mean, it's happened, a horrible story. Yeah. yeah. When that happened, I was very, I was, I was, I wasn't very young. I was much younger, obviously. I think I was 16 or something. And, uh, I had stopped watching professional wrestling quite a few years before, but one of the things that I did get was a Chris Benoit shirt. <laughs> oh, fuck me. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, like, oh my God, I still, like, I still have this shirt. And uh, my brother was like, I'm going to wear it to school. And then he oh, was told to go home. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I like, it's a funny joke because of the CTE, but it's also really sad because it's like that man's brain, like that man committed a murder-suicide and his brain was mush. His brain was literal, like, oh, like yeah. fucking... He had, like, like, all, he had effectively had Alzheimer's. Win the golden spurtle for best fucking oatmeal, except it's in your brain. Like, <laughs> it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. But, like... Yeah, flying headbutts and steroids are bad for you kids. Also, taking honestly, unprotected like, chair shots to the head. But then I think about this shit. I'm like, these guys, like the, 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 the real fucking heavy hitters, the real like, you know, champion warriors in terms of being like knightly lords and whatnot, whatever. I'm, I'm mixing up terms here would have probably been, in, you know, from their late 20s until their early 40s. And so those guys will have fucking experienced so much head trauma. And like you said, just like d- taking drowning your head trauma in weak wine and alcohol constantly. Yeah, it's healthy. It's fine. You, you've got to imagine that. that they they were not doing so good on the fucking like if their brains could survive to be scanned by ct scanners in the modern day they would look horrific yeah i can imagine they had a very healthy and normal home lives uh with their with their wives and children yeah exactly now jesus after the break Bemboro's side began winning killing two more of the other team and capturing a few others because like we said taking hostages is a very normal part of war back then and they're still actually trying to capture one another in the middle of a death match um, I assume this worked like dodgeball rule, rules when like you get taken out and then someone catches a ball and you can come back in. But like if you knows? if you run over and grab one of them, like you get one of your guys back or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have all these guys with these badass sounding names and then you have the, the peasant referee named like John Testicle or something like that. <laughs> He's the one who has Steve to give shit you the shoveler. rules. <laughs> yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. It's like alan precom he's the person that (laughs) my dad built the dungeon (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that is very funny. They did, they just didn't have surnames like last names back then. Like well, it's people like just my have- my surname uh, root, like literally just like meant butcher because back in the day that's how Armenians got their name. Unless you were like nobility, is like your last name was your job. <laughs> my, I, I don't know what what mine is because my dad's my dad's last name was is Huguenot and like it was you know they went to so many different countries and had to change the spelling and pronunciation of their names that like Bethay was probably. Bertier or Bétier or something like that. I don't even know what that would be. It's it's a French name, but they were French Protestants. Um, but I really couldn't tell you. But I'm sure it was just like a job you did. Like it was like 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 a Bétier was the guy who like scraped the shit out of fucking <laughs> knight suits of armor after after you know chivalric combat. Oh, might. You need to have your uh, uh, suit of armor hosed out from shit. Just like another good day at the the shit hosing factory but your, you, the, your critical mistake here is you're giving him baz british english <laughs> accent where it's french it's like ah oh, monsieur it is time to clean this shit out of your armor <laughs> that's 100 percent how they talk that's my ancestors on the, oh, and, then the, and then my jewish ancestors on the british side is like oh mate i think it's gonna be a program again oh shit <laughs> god at least there's no fucking cossacks <laughs> oh god <laughs> no i'm just being honest with you <laughs> Bembora was doing so well, he was riding around on horseback, which was allowed, uh, by the way, shit-talking Bomanoir's team, pointing at the pile of dead bodies, and I assume chanting scoreboard over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he he really was laughing and pointing about how many dead other people had, which I would argue is uh, a violation of, like, honoring other knights. But, you know, whatever. I'm not John Shitshelver, the referee. Exactly. Um, and also, once again, I, I point to the argument that so much of this stuff, while valid and while true in statements and from historical documents, is also being interpreted by the world's most closet gay Catholics from the 19th century. So they may have churched up a little bit about like the. Oh, the I'm, sh- I'm absolutely sure they did. Um, and Beaumanoir had been badly wounded at this point. Uh, he was sidelined for the rest of the fight. And he was so badly wounded that he had his armor stripped off and he was asking another knight for water. To which the knight responded, quote, drink your blood, Beaumanoir. Your thirst will pass. Which has to be, A, the most incorrect thing on earth, but B, the most metaphorical thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's so badass. Like, that's the thing, right? Is it like we remember Give it himself the, court- the old self-suck. We remember the courtly, the courtly love poems about like you know the 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 knight protected this fucking songbird as a symbol of the love for his for his you know um, I can't remember the term that they would basically use but like for his maiden or whatever you know like look who actually was married to King Mark who decided to cut her in half with an axe later because he he was jealous but like in truth the person who was most remembered was not the person professing courtly love in you know the correct way but like a guy who did such a badass job swinging a sword cutting a dude in half down the top that like he literally cut his dick perfectly in half they're like that guy is amazing that's who they're going to remember yeah like you know that's the lebron james of medieval combat is guy who literally cut a dude's dick in half but like with one fell swoop yeah hot dog not hamburger (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly see we all in a way i know that that's actually had the level they were operating on now, while bamboro was riding around and shit talking uh one of the squires from the other team charged at him and jammed a spear directly through the eye hole of his helmet and out the back Ooh. of his head killing him uh and he was oh. the, like he died so fast that his body was still like locked onto the saddle so the horse just ran off into the distance carrying his body away with a spear cartoonishly lodged in his head um, oh man after that his sides clo- his side closed ranks not wanting to quit which admittedly was part of the rules that they weren't allowed to um, 
and they weren't allowed to withdraw from battle, uh, you know, turning your back on your enemy. Then another squire appeared, jumping on a horse and charged right at Bemboro's side again, crashing through their line and breaking them apart. And this is something of a breach of the rules because your guys on horseback had to be designated as like, that's their position. They're the horse guy. And he just jumped on a horse that was hanging out. Uh, but nobody seemed to care. His charge floored seven men, trampling them under their horse so badly they're unable to get back up. Now suddenly outnumbered, the rest of them decide that, guys, this might be the dumbest fucking thing we've ever done on Earth and surrender in order to end it all. And Team Beaumanoir officially emerged the victors. So what did they win? Absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, the combat of the 30 had no effect on the greater war. and That was never the point in the first place, I guess. It could have very well been a death match driven by a bunch of bored, fancy lad knights, or it could have been a matter of honor or a dude fucking another guy's wife. Either way, it was completely and totally pointless, and the only thing that changed at the end of the day was 11 people were dead now. Um, the war went on for more than a decade after this, finally ending in 1364 when uh, Charles of Blois, Blois, uh, Blois was released from prison and killed in battle against John the, the Fourth, son of John, John of Montfort, and uh, then the Montfort claim of the duchy was, uh, was recognized. So all this is for nothing, and knights are kind of dumb. Uh, but they are very funny. Um, so that is the, the combat of the 30. Um, so, Nate, we have a segment on this show called Questions from the Legion. If you would like to ask us a question from the Legion, donate to the show. You can ask me on our Discord server or Patreon is normally the two best ways to ask, and then we'll answer it. This is, what is your death row meal? What is my death row meal? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a really good question. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I would say I've got a really soft spot for Korean food in general, having lived there for a while. And good Korean food is kind of hard to come by outside of like, there's some places where you can get really good stuff, but like you can't get that sort of the ubiquity of the ingredients and like people who know how to do it, like how to prepare it outside of Korea. Like it's just much harder. Mm. I would say, to be honest with you, my death row meal is probably going to be a just huge blowout of Korean food. I want someone to make samgyeopsal for me, the barbecued pork belly, which I realize is treif. I realize is fucking not kosher, but I don't care. Cha <laughs> um, uh, jongmyeon, which is technically Chinese, but like it's really good the way the Koreans make it. It's like the black bean sauce on noodles and uh, and bibimbap, like an actual real bibimbap with uh, with bulgogi in it. like And just like, unlike the dude from Old Boy, as many mandu as I can fucking fit in my mouth because <laughs> mandu are amazing. I think that... Uh, I don't even, you know, if I'm going to die, then fuck it. Give me some, give me the goddamn, the soju chami soil, the, the, the fucking soju with the little frog on it that gives you the worst hangover of your life. Like if I'm going to die, <laughs> I don't care. Get me a so, soju drunk is a great way to be. Soju hungover is about the worst way to be. Yeah. So, you're going to die anyway. You might as well like it's that dying. Is not going to feel any worse if you're hungover? Exactly. So I think, I think for me it would be that kind of like Korean smorgasbord. I just, I just have such a soft spot for it and it's so hard to get stuff that unless you're there that that is is as good as the and if for some reason my execution fails and I'm hungover give me naengmyeon the cold beef noodle soup hangover meal then I'm living a new life. I'm not sure what I would pick quite honestly. I really don't know. Um if I'm going to go like back in like a disgusting meal that just like 
hits me where right where it's supposed to like you mm-hmm. feel gross afterwards but you don't really have to worry about the afterwards because you're about to get fucking executed um yeah. i am going to pick something really really gross and that is like a uh stuffed crust pizza from um i think it was pizza pizza hut, pizza hut. yeah it was pizza hut. it's just like yeah. horrible greasy cheese that isn't probably actually cheese and yeah. it, it feels like it you just like someone cheese speed sticks. bagged your heart yeah yeah the che- tasted like the cheese sticks like the fucking cheese sticks you would pull off in strips the ones you get in like school lunches bosco sticks yeah bosco it was, <laughs> it was like it was like a it was like a crust full of bosco sticks of that kind of processed cheese yeah and they then have like, to spell yeah, just, it with like a Z because legally they can't call it cheese or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like that far down, given American food standards, um, it's so greasy and disgusting. Like the ne- and I'm lactose intolerant as well. So like the next day when they go to execute me, I'm shitting on them. I'm shitting everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Clearly they got to put you in the electric electric chair and it just diarrhea explosion. <laughs> like like a, like a baby just shoots up my back just, just all the way up your back. Like it's they have to they have to hire like me fucking in modern form for my ancestral you know tr- my ancestral guild trade of shit cleaning out of armor uh, to go clean the shit out of the cap from the electric chair they put on your head yeah, the, the the Pierpont family in England does all the executions the yeah I'm really glad they've got all the I'm, shit I'm glad they've got a Berthier here who can fucking do this for us it turns out that's what your your job is being really good at cleaning shit out of things <laughs> yeah man I mean um yeah I'm also not so great with lactose myself uh not that my my any 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 trace ethnicity problems you know from that um but uh Oh, that's so. I thought you were going to say something even more Midwest, like a Johnny Marzetti or something like that. I don't that. even know what that is. I think really? Francis told me about it one, like sent me a picture, and it just looks like some kind of cursed casserole. Yeah, we used to have it in school. It was like a, it was like a, like a hamburger helper pasta casserole thing, but it was just called Johnny Marzetti for some reason. I'd never heard of it anywhere outside of the Midwest. If there's one thing I will never eat again is uh, hamburger helper, and it's because like you could buy a box of hamburger helper for a f- and feed a family of four for what like six dollars something like that. Yeah. So we ate that for like lunch and dinner every day for so long and my mom would be like oh i i made it special and by that she's like i put like american slices on top (laughs) oh god yeah i'll I'll never touch that that's like my my opposite death row meal Uh, i'll go to death row before i eat uh (laughs) so meanwhile meanwhile there's a dude from the fucking icp fandom you know hardcore juggalo who's canceling their patreon right now because you said that he has like the hamburger helper glove like like tattooed on his calf (laughs) uh that glove has seen some shit Uh, yeah exactly nate uh thank you so much for coming on the show and very welcome telling one of the the dumbest stories of, of nights that i think we've ever told uh and you can use the spot uh, in case anybody doesn't know where to where where to find your your many shows well so um many of you who are listening may recognize my voice because i've been producing this show since 2018 but i'm also the co-host of what a hell of a way to die i am one of the i am a sometimes co-host of trash future always for live shows but not always on the show itself for trash future the podcast about uh, about business success and capitalism and I also produce a show called Kill James Bond with the extremely funny uh, Abigail Thorne, Alice Caldwell Kelly, and Devin. So um, if you're into uh, a reading of Bond films and now Euro spy films and action films that um, points out their foibles and makes fun of them on uh, you know from some of the funniest trans people you've ever heard in your life, that's that's uh, that's what I do for a living. I produce four shows now, so um, 
<laughs> thank you, Joe, for letting me be on this because this is always a lot of fun too. Yeah, it's always good to have you on. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you think what we do here is worth a dollar, you can give us a dollar on Patreon, patreon.com slash lines led by donkeys. Uh, and you get bonus stuff. Uh, like you get this episode early, you get bonus episodes, you access to the discord, all that good stuff or don't, uh, it's your money. Do with it what you want. Uh, but leaving a review is free and it helps us in ways that I don't fully understand, but it does. Uh, and again, thank you everybody. And until next time, uh, don't, don't go to the cum dungeon. <laughs>